crazy. Like, and even as an athlete during the race, you're just sort of running along. Sometimes you're shaking. You're just thinking, what what on earth is going on? You know, like what what what's what are all these guys doing here? Sort of thing. So, it's, um, yeah, pretty crazy. Kia ora everyone, that was Scotty Hawker. I'm Matt Raymond, I'm Eugene Bain, and this is Dirt Church Radio. Interesting conversations with interesting runners. Matt, what are you doing? I'm, um, writing songs. About what? We're trying to do a podcast. My feelings. Feelings about what? Well, I'm thinking about, you know how I've always wanted to do a concept album? No, I didn't know. No, I thought we were doing a podcast. Well, I'm... I'm a polymath, and I've always wanted to do... Um, you what? Anyway, sorry, carry on. A Sort of a, a chivalry metal sort of fantasy concept, concept album about, uh, you know, the, the, the difference of three. And I'm finding, and I was, I was looking on the Ultra website, and, and they talk about the difference of three as well. They've got to you, haven't they? They have. They've um, got to you. They've really got to you. And the difference of three, you know, the foot-shaped toe box, mm. their specific fit, fit for her... Um, that fit which for is her technology. Fit for her technology, mm. and and that cushion zero drop. I mean, my 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 difference of three or power of three would have been, you know, three wizards, warlocks, maybe. But apparently, they thought about that. But since we exposed the whole thing, they dropped that idea. Mm. Yeah. So difficult. So how's this going to work with the podcast? I need to talk to you about that. But uh, are you going off books? Are you dumping me? Well, uh, it's going to be a, a we're going to transition to it while I'm you know saving up money for an electric guitar. I mean, I've only got this ukulele at the moment. It's it's a beautiful ukulele though. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe you could put it down and we could just like carry on the podcast. But if you do want to talk about the fit for her technology, the cushioned zero, zero drop. drop. Yep. Uh, well, the foot shaped toe box. Yeah, we could yeah. do that later. We could. We yeah. could. We could. So. But yeah. I mean, it is, you know, that's the ultra way. And it is ultra. the ultra way. Yeah. yeah. For sponsoring this podcast proudly. And we're proud to have you on board. And thank you. Thanks, Ultra. Radio. So here we are. Episode 15. 15. 15. Made it. Yeah. It's a long time. It's nearly half a year we've been doing this. Wow. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. It's um and last week's show got a massive response. It was amazing. Yeah, huge response. Yeah. to so, Lucy Bartholomew. Yeah. So if you haven't heard that one, go back and have a listen because it really was a good interview. Yeah, and people have really responded to it, and we just want to thank Lucy again for being so open and yeah, upfront, candid us. and generous, and yeah. and and thank you, Lucy. We're um, stoked that you thought to come on the show, and we're stoked with everyone who listened and got in touch we, we really, really really appreciate it with some really good responses didn't we yeah. people who really picked up on what she was saying and it it sort of gave them ideas and it inspired yep. them and so yeah and great. also uh, you know some really kind lovely feedback and uh, around the relationship that lucy has with her dad yeah that was really surprising yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah i bumped into someone on saturday who just listened to it and was had been tearing up Listen to it. Which nearly made me tear up when you yeah, messaged me that. I, yeah. I, I had a little bit of a cats in the cradle moment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Hey, another <sighs> huge guest this week. Yeah. Scotty Massive Hawker. guest. Yeah. Scotty Hawker. Yeah. Christchurch boy. Yeah. Although yeah. he has lived in Australia for quite a while. Although his accent, you wouldn't think you it. Would like for a man who's lived in Australia and then yeah. has been traveling through Europe and yeah. racing internationally for quite a few years, 
he Kui as Kui as has yeah. an admirable yeah. New but, Zealand accent. So you Aussie listeners are probably going to try and claim him. Yeah, like you, know. you did uh, Neil Finn and yeah. what else? Farlap, Farlap, Pavlova, Pavlova. Um, yeah, Crowded House. List goes on. List goes on. No, he's ours. Yeah. But anyway, do you know Scotty Hawker was actually one of the first? He was the first ever elite athlete I ever encountered in the context of an ultramarathon. It was at the 55-kilometre aid station at one of the Tarawera ultramarathons. We had to get a boat over because I was pacing. Yeah. And Scotty was... There was this dude, he was sitting in the in the medical chair. He was grey, sort of a grey-green colour, dressed in hoka gear, covered in tats, looking really fast. And by the... You know, doing the calculations, how far he was... And the time, he had to be an elite, and he was sick as a dog. I don't know what it was getting to him, the heat or whatever. Wow. But he got up three times and left the aid station to run. Yeah. And three times he came back. Wow. And then in the end, they put him on a jet boat, and his expression just didn't change. He was just a thousand miles steering. And it was really incredible. It sort of showed me the what can go wrong but also the kind of the tenacity and the yeah. sheer speed of the man to get to that point so yeah, yeah. I, I guess and it just sort of underlines how much he puts it on the line which is something we talk about absolutely yeah. and how sometimes it just does not go well yeah yeah so what have you been up to eugene well i managed to get myself lost uh, yeah overhead. Um, easy to do well, when i say lost i mean i went off track and didn't know where i was does that qualify yep that's that's right. probably the dictionary definition of lost it's yeah. about half past five in the morning it was dark but anyway i i for the first time ever, I thought, I'm going to use Trackback on my watch. Okay. To get back to where I knew that I'd gone off track. And did it work? It did. Fantastic. I'm here, aren't I? Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What well, about yourself? What have you been up to? Uh, what did I do? I worked on Saturday, a nurse life, and then Sunday was Lola's 11-year-old's uh, uh, daughter's birthday, and um, went out to Wenderholm, which is a lovely beach, and hung out, and today I... Trail ran and did you some riding some and new trails today. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it's all Good I'm very happy. I yep. explored some new trails as well, but I hadn't yeah. intended to. <laughs> hey, um, quite a few races on over the weekend. Yep, uh, it's been Labour Weekend here in New Zealand. Um, Lactic Turkey. Yep, Sean Collins. They had their second event of the Wild Auckland Series at Tafranui. Yep, you got um, married at Tafranui, didn't you? I did. Good memory. And there's a couple more races in the series to come, so look out for that. Yep. Yep. And in Australia, was the Black Hole 100. They look really tough. I had a look at the course profile. Whoa. Yeah. 3,300 metres of ascent. Tough and technical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, well done to everyone who took part in those. But huge news out of South Africa yeah. for us this The weekend. Golden Trail Series. Yeah. Ruth Croft, the dark horse. You don't hear a lot of her. On social media, she's relatively quiet, but yep. Ruth's been smashing it. She's had an amazing yep. year. Yeah. Smashing it, murdering it. Um, she is the winner of the Golden Trail Series, which was uh, six mountain marathon races in Europe, USA, and South Africa. Uh, she came second behind Holly Page in the Otter Trail event in South Africa, which is usually a five day hike, but she was 34 seconds back off second place and 17th overall. Um, yeah, Ruth's been murdering it. She won uh, the Mont Blanc Marathon, placed it as a Gama in Sierra She won the Chamonix, and she won the Speed Goat as she well. She did too. Yeah, she yeah. Was, 
She said a massive year. And dubious Carl Metzer, she was fastest nanny at the Speed Goat, uh, 50k. Are you serious? Yeah, that's what he says, but... Oh, okay. Um, so, congratulations to Ruth. Yeah. That's that's massive. And Get you on soon, Ruth. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, congratulations, and we're looking forward to watching what happens next season as absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah. In um, emails we never expected to get, and made me a bit sweaty uh we heard from john o'wyatt i know so that john o'wyatt yeah we're actually standing at this point sir lord baron von wyatt yeah uh kiwi olympian six-time world mountain running champion and top sports administrator uh he got in touch about the tweet that we talked about last week around camille heron she was calling for drug testing particularly in out of competition uh for athletes and He said this, he was very kind in his feedback, and he said, look, great job you guys are doing. There are many subtle differences between the various sectors of trail, sky, mountain running, and I noted the tweet you referred to regarding the anti-doping had a small mistake. Mountain running worldwide is held under the jurisdiction of the IAAF and WADA, so there are mountain running athletes, including USA-based athletes, in the out-of-competition pool as I was when I competed in the mountain running competition. So it's thanks good. for clearing that up, John. It's Jonathan. good clarification. It's yeah. important clarification. Absolutely. Yep. And we, um, yeah, we, we we were a little bit starstruck to get the email. Yep. But it's an important uh, thing. I watched him at, uh, come and finish at 2004 in Athens in the marathon. Really? Yeah. They ran, they finished the marathon in the stadium where the 1896 Olympics had been. So wow. The, the traditional stadium. Yeah. And they had, it was finishing in the evening. Yeah. It was hot as anything. Yeah. And it was the really dramatic race where the Brazilian de Silva was yes. attacked in yeah. the lead. Still came back and finished third, I think. I should have done my research here, Yeah. I? And Stefan Baldoni came through and won it. But yeah, John O'Wyatt and um, Dale Warrender, two Kiwis. I think John O, he might have, he might have pressed top 20. Wow. He was just outside top 20. Um, but yeah, an amazing event to have been part of. Yeah. And we would love to get him on the show as well. Well, I did ask him. And we'll talk to him about that. Yep. And of course, his six world championship world mountain running titles. I met him briefly uh, last year in Wellington at Runfest and he was totally chill. Like he was one of the most laid back, unassuming guys yeah. I've ever seen. Like hanging out, he's wearing a f- he looked so pimped. He's wearing a full La Sportiva tracksuit like yep. top and bottoms yep. but just hanging out like eating the packed lunches eating the chocolate muffins you yep. know like yep. he was rad he was so. a Wellington homeboy wasn't he yeah he's from Wellington. but he lives in Italy now Italy yeah, yeah yeah yeah. hey stuff you should know yep take it away Eugene all this right. is all on you brother alright well no this is a joint thing well no it's mainly stuff you should know it's mainly me ranting about mental health it is not it's turned into that has not anyway well in an unrelated topic yeah but kind of related uh, I just we just thought we'd run through. I was asked to write something. The Sunday Star Times, which is yep. newspaper, here had a section about a story about happiness. Uh-huh. They wanted people to write about happiness, and I was actually asked to write one about running further. Yep. Somebody had written something about running, um, about being happy when everything is stripped away by tiredness and what happens. How do you reach that happy point? Yeah, uh, and it's about ultra marathons, but I reckon it applies to trail running generally. Absolutely. So I'm going to substitute ultra marathon for sorry trail for ultras. Yeah, yeah. On the start line of a tra- trail race, you usually too nervous to feel happy. 
as you run the early miles, trudging up the first climbs, you're usually too busy trying to ignore the daunting tasks ahead of you to feel true happiness. By halfway, you're desperately trying to rid your mind of the song that's got stuck on loop, repeating over and over and again, even if you hate it. Mm-hmm. I hate that. I hate it when that happens. Around three quarters of the way through, you'll think all is lost. Your legs are hurting. Your energy levels are waning. And it's then that happiness finds a way. A tired joy. A hopeful joy. A joy at how far you've come. And most of all, a joy at the knowledge that it's nearly all over. If you want to see happiness, sweat-stained, bloody, gritty happiness, go to the finish line of a trial race. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. I do, and it's... it's and I guess we could ramp that out even further and just say go to the finish of a race. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you see the smiles. And yep. it's it's tough, isn't it? And you have those moments in a race where you're far from happy. Yeah. It's something about crossing that line, even when you have found it tough. Absolutely. You just can't help but smile. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's good to remember that. Yes. Yeah. It is good to hang on to stuff like that. Be happy. Yeah. Be happy. And find the joy yeah. in running. Because it's there. And I guess the last two episodes that we've spoken to Mile Backhausen and Lucy Bartholomew, that's really been to the fore. I think Scotty continues that trend on. Yeah. But like let's get uncool. Let's just be unselfconsciously joyful. Yeah. That'd be really, really and yeah. that sounds naive as or get out, but like what about that? Like what about if we show up to the start line and just be happy? Yeah. Embrace it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, speaking of embracing it, greatest run ever, you guys are really getting the idea of this. You're smashing that, us with it. That um, we want to hear from you with yeah. your greatest run ever. doesn't have to have been a race. doesn't have to have been you summited Mount Everest. Yep. At um, dawn. But if you did, twice, just let us know. Without oxygen. Um, <laughs> or did not. Um, <gasps> oh, uh, just let us know what your greatest run ever is. Send us in uh, dirtchurchradio at gmail.com yep. or use the hashtag greatest run ever and find us on our social media platforms. So Sarah Jackson, yep. first, short and sweet. Hi, guys. First up, great podcast. Although the first episode I listened to started with the weirdest ultra necromancy bit. So that was so that confused the hell out of me. Well, they're, they're terrible people, uh, and we're contractually obliged, yeah. even though they I'm, do I'm, bad I'm sorry stuff. that it confused you, but it's just it's how it is. Yep. With truth tellers. It's what we live with. Mm. Anyway, greatest run ever. Yeah. 2017 Tarawera Ultra. Second shot at making 87 kilometer distance after a bail with hideous weather the year before at 62k. The weather was perfect this time. My legs were happy and the running gods were smiling down. Even made the leaderboard. So good I immediately entered for the 102k for 2018, which was then probably my WRE, which I'm going to assume is worst run ever. Wickedest run ever. Wickedest. Wickedest run ever. Uh, keep up the good work. You make me smile when I'm out training. Hey, thank well, you. you're welcome. And thank you for sending in that greatest run ever. Yep. And this is Nicole Jackson. Hi, boys. I'm in love with the podcast, so thanks. Well, thank you very much. I've been running for seven years now, getting into it after the birth of my first son. For all of my 20s and a smidgen of my 30s, I was obsessed with travel and mountains, tramping, mountaineering, ski touring, spending days, weeks, even months exploring the higher ground. So after the birth of my first son... As many adventurous women will know, I had a bit of a hard time. I got so that my life had changed, but I just didn't entirely know who I was anymore. The little guy, surprise, surprise, didn't sleep well and cried a lot. So I started running with my boy in the second-hand buggy that we'd bought for $50. He would sleep. It was quiet. No expectations. Fast forward four years to my greatest run ever. And really, it's not a run, more a celebration of a journey. Midsummer in mid-Canterbury, my first marathon just around the corner. Aerosmith 
The race, a local run and mountain bike on Mount Arismith High Country Station in the Hakatiris. I had followed a running plan religiously and on the cards for the day was a 28km training run. No worries, right? So we pack up and head out. I say we as there are now two little boys. I say pack up as running with them now involves packing food, colouring books, some toys, a change of clothes, extra water, etc, etc, etc. I know this is going to be a tough run, it's hot, I'm tired from training, but it's got to be done. We warm up along the road, which accesses the river trail not far from our home. It is a familiar route, and I'm psyching myself up. You see the boys are growing up, and this will be my last run with our glorious chariot mountain running buggy. The little guys are now a combined weight that was maxing out the shocks on the buggy. (laughs) Not only that, they no longer would stay sitting down as they would hang off the side, stand up, face me, and try to have chats. But most worrying was the youngest one who had taken to hanging off the front and trying to push (laughs) things through the front wheel as it moved. Hmm... It's been her, that's called. They no longer slept. They were too big now, and they knew the route. They knew there would be blackberries to stop and pick along the way. If it was warm enough, which it was, a quick dip in Lake Hood to cool down. They knew if they whined enough for mum to go faster, faster, she would cave in for like 30 seconds. And as we took this last long run together, I did think back my life had changed and it was going to change again. It was the end of an era. We were about to hit the river trough for the last time for our longest run together. And... Hell, I was about to run my first marathon in the mountains, off-road, of course, in a couple of weeks. I reflected on the journey. At the very beginning, I'd plucked up the courage to ask Dougal Thornburn, the Guinness World Record holder for pushing a buggy over 10 kilometres, and a New Zealander who just happened to work in the same building as me, of course, only in New Zealand, what type of buggy (laughs) to get? As figured out, was probably the expert. Then I spent countless hours watching Trade Me for a double chariot we could afford, and then spent the most intense 20 minutes trying to win the Trade Me auction to purchase said double chariot. Yes, it was mine. My best friend sent me over a special newborn capsule for the, from Canada so we could fit our newest edition in, and away we went. At first we walked, and then was safe for mum and baby, we started to run. We ran to get the groceries, we ran on country roads, we ran on trail, we ran in the rain and the sun, wind and even the snow. We did park run together in the summer and joined a running club, which on one long run in Geraldine, everyone took their turn pushing the boys up and down the hills. People would ask me if they fought and I would jokingly say, I don't know, as I often wore headphones so I could have some time to myself. I called the buggy my sanity wagon and I meant it. We did a duathlon together, we took an epic winter trip up in the Hakateri together. We ran to the park for picnics and we ran to open homes when we were purchasing our house in Ashburton. Most importantly, our time together had transformed me into a runner. Alas, the 28 kilometres came to an end, my greatest run ever, lots of stops for Blackberries, and I'm happy to say the chariot found a new home. Wow. <sighs> That's an amazing, amazing <laughs> That's, yeah. tale. Oh, I love wow. reading these and I say it every time. I don't read them before. Because I like being surprised, and Nicole, that was fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's such a great story. Um, yeah, really well written, and you had us there. And I think people talk about trying to fit kids in around, or fit this and around this, and this and that and this. And it sounds like you did the best way possible. You just went fully all in. Yeah. And so yeah. my hat goes off to you. I had a little chuckle to myself at the um, go faster, mummy. Yeah, uh, line in that our younger boy Kieran, who's now the editor of this podcast, yep. I used to put him in the buggy and run with him. Really, and I stopped when I just couldn't go fast enough for him. <laughs> He'd just be demanding, yeah. faster, faster, faster. Yeah, and I'd be doing these crazy fartlek runs when I was supposed to be doing <laughs> a slow run. <laughs> anyway, um, that's epic. Both, thank you so much. Yeah, um, 
Nicole and Sierra. Those are really great. great and keep stories. them coming in. Yeah. Dirtchurchradio at gmail.com or ha- hashtag greatest run ever on social media. Yeah, we, we really, really appreciate that. it. And it's a really good part of the show. And we get lots of good feedback about it. So thank you. So on to our guest. And this week, our conversation with Scotty Hawker. Although I think there's something in it for everyone, it's really one for the running heads, hey. And, yeah, we and nerded out on it. We like. nerded out. We went deep in terms of UTMB and in terms of, of, you know, what really happened for Scotty this year because, you know, he's a Vibram Trail athlete and coming off last year's results, he was first at Ultra Trail Cape Town and he came 11th at UTMB in 2017. He was in the best shape of his life. One could have expected that he would continue with his run of world-class results in 2018. But you'll know if you follow him on social media that it didn't quite work out for Scotty that way. And this year's been a tale of patience, persistence, frustration, and rebuilding. Um, We, as I said before, you know, Scotty was my first ever sort of experience with an elite athlete. Um, I think Mm -hmm. he's an excellent excellent ambassador for our sport he's an excellent ambassador for new zealand and we're thrilled to have him on yeah. so hey just a little bit of background if you don't know utmb which most of you will but utmb is ultra trail mont blanc 100 yep. mile race probably the premium mountain 100 miler in the world, world. Yep. yeah absolutely uh and uh this year scotty after having come 11th last year he'd made his way up to fifth, fifth. yeah before it all and it was a a uh, hell of a lot of carnage this yep. year and Scotty talks about that yep. and as well as you know as Matt said a lot of running nerd stuff he was really open about what it's actually yep. like courageous and being a human being in that in that moment so, and honest yeah. thank you Scotty and uh, yeah here we go here we go Scotty Hawker alright kia ora we are speaking to the mighty Scotty Hawker all the way from Christchurch, refreshingly, not Mount Block or Melbourne or Chamonix or wherever um, other people have been based, but good old Christchurch. Hey, Scotty, how you doing? Yeah, going well, going good, thanks. I mean, you've been based for a long time, parts further afield. Is this you back for a while now or what's been hap- what's um, happening there? Yeah, I think in the grand scheme of things with how we're traveling, I guess we are here for quite a while. We're um. Yeah, we're going to be back in Christchurch for about two and a half months. So we'll be back here for Christmas and stuff with, um, with the family over here before we kind of take off again for the sort of start of 2019 and um, all the travel that's going to be kind of filling up next year. So, yes, I mean, for us, it's quite a long time to be kind of based in one place. So we're pretty pretty psyched actually to be back home in Christchurch and, um, you know, have a good amount of time here to catch up with family and go on some missions with mates and stuff as well. So. How, how long since you spent that amount of time in Christchurch? Oh, far out. I think um, we we left New Zealand about seven years ago to move to Australia um, to be sort of close to my wife's family. So, yeah, pretty much since then, really. Um, every time we come back, it's sort of a, a fleeting visit to catch up with family before we, um, yeah, kind of head off somewhere else or, I mean, a few years ago, yeah, just heading back to Australia. So it's... Um, yeah, I think the longest, apart from this time, would have been about maybe four weeks. So um, you were pretty pretty pumped to be back here. That's cool, man. And where were you before, immediately before Christchurch? Where, where were you living? Um, so we'd, we've just basically finished off six months living in Europe. So yeah, we flew over to Barcelona about the beginning of April this year. Um, and you yeah, sort of travelled about Europe, just sort of depending on where I was racing, 
um, throughout this year. And then, um, yeah, the last sort of five weeks, we were staying um, up in Andorra, just up in the Pyrenees. So, yeah, we sort of, I guess, yeah, went from Andorra down to Barcelona and then jumped on a plane and, yeah, back in Christchurch, so. Wow. And how how is it travelling with the family? Yeah, it's wicked, eh? It's, it, it, yeah, it seems a little bit crazy, I guess, for some people outside looking in, thinking we're, you know, because we sort of started um, a couple of years ago when I went to the trail running world champs um, in Portugal and um, when we sort of told friends and family we were going to take out, I think she was about eight or nine weeks old, our daughter Sienna, um, we're going to take her to Portugal with us and we kind of had a few funny looks and stuff but yeah, we sort of figured we'd just try it and see how it goes and we thought if we survived World Champs in Portugal, which I think was about a three-week trip, um, then we sort of had some big plans on spending a bit more time in Europe sort of following that, presuming we, you know, survived okay. So, um, yeah, we got through Portugal all good and, um, and, yeah, the last couple of years have been spent spending quite a bit of time over in Europe, which has been awesome. That's amazing, man. I mean, it's it's the thing, isn't it? Like people seem to, I guess, put their own expectations on on what you can do as a family. But obviously, you know, looking at your Instagram and everything like that, it seems to be going pretty well. What do you, so? What are you doing in Andorra? Are you just training, racing full time? Um, yes. Yeah, so I, I mean, I I obviously run as an athlete, but um, then I also um do some online coaching. Um, as well so sort of um, yeah combining the the running and a bit of coaching and stuff um, yeah enables us I guess as a family to yeah sort of travel travel a bit and um, yeah see some cool places and generally we sort of um, try and spend um, a bit of time in and around where I'm going to be racing and then sort of outside of that time normally after races my wife Liz will um, pick somewhere cool for us to kind of go and normally not not sort of overly mountainous and um, you know check out some cool places that she'd like to see um, and that sort of helps kind of balance out because we obviously do spend an awful lot of time in the mountains, and which is fantastic, and we both love it. But um, yeah, it's cool for us to be able to yeah, sort of go and check out some other places that um, you don't necessarily have a mountain or trail running focus, which is you know nice for a bit of balance. Yeah, is Christchurch freaking you out with how flat the city is? Um, oh, <laughs> it's it's it. I mean, it's obviously not. You know, it's not the Pyrenees. It's not Andorra. No, <laughs> nah, but it's. It's funny though, because like even just running on the Port Hills and stuff, like it, it's it's really deceptive. And they actually just had the Crater Rim Ultra um, just on Sunday, just gone. Which um, my old man's actually the race director for that. Oh wow! And um, yeah, so the kind of the you know the stories that come out of it is just everyone's just blown away by how tough that 50k race is because it's got I think about two and a half thousand meters of climbing, which for 50k is actually pretty staunch. You know, That's like no it's, joke. Um, no, exactly, and it's just it's just real deceptive, eh? Like it's um yeah, really technical in parts, and then although there's not any like real crazy steep climbs, like you get up and you know you know places in the Southern Alps and Arthur's Pass and stuff like that, it's just real. It's just consistently up and down, so it's um yeah, it's pretty draining kind of terrain and you know trails to run on. So is, is Christchurch where it began for you? Is it where you sort of learnt to run trails and? to run yeah pretty much yeah like i lived in Christchurch until i was i think about mid-20s and so yeah like when i was a kid and stuff we'd you know go up and muck around in the port hills and in bottle lake forest plantation just kind of you know being kids and stuff and i didn't really sort of properly get into i guess running as such um until i decided that i should finally go and do the coast to coast so yeah i put the coast to coast off for a couple of years after i left high school and went down to otago union got stuck into a few too many cold beverages and um and fast food <laughs> and um yeah so it was just through basically yeah signing up for the coast to coast that i kind of got into a bit more i guess 
trail running and mountain running. Yeah, just absolutely loved it. You know, going up and doing the, the goat pass run and stuff like that was just um, was just awesome. And then obviously, yeah, living in Christchurch, the Port Hills are just such an awesome place to train. So um, yeah, got got hooked on the kind of trails and the mountains from a kind of running perspective um, pretty quickly, which is really cool. And when you talked about catching up with mates for some missions while you're back in Christchurch, so that's mates that you get out and on runs with over the next few months. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So hopefully, um, I just need some some snow to melt because at the moment there's a bit too much snow around yeah. for some of the stuff I want to do. But um, and that's kind of been the kind of I guess frustrating thing with not spending a heap of time here um in the last wee while is that because we're never back for that long, it's kind of there's never enough time for anything. So there's um yeah a bunch of missions kind of up in Arthur's Pass and um even um Mount Tapuanuku up in the inland Kaikoura's you know super keen on getting up that as well and going for a bit of a mission up there. So Hopefully, you know, weather and snow permitting, um, should be able to get some yeah, pretty pretty exciting stuff under the belt while I'm here. Cool. I mean, that's going to be, I guess that'll be pretty restorative. Hey, running and just you know, getting training in, but also doing things that sort of fulfil you and 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 make you feel excited. Because I guess you've you know you've been pretty open and looking at your Instagram, you've had quite a tough year. Hey. <laughs> yeah, that's a very polite way of putting it. It's hmm. um. Yeah, I don't, I don't, it's just been a, I don't think I'd call it a comedy of errors, but yeah, it's just been um, one of those years that I just, to be honest, I didn't see it coming, basically, yeah, based off how the year before had gone, which if I had had the year I'd had this year last year, I sort of would have taken it on the chin and sort of thought it was kind of to be expected um, after having surgery in uh, early March last year, you know, it was sort of supposed to be just a complete kind of rebuild year and get the body right and then ended up having a fairly decent year last year with a you know pretty reasonable run at UTMB and then at, um, finishing off in, um, with a pretty good result in Cape Town in December. You pronounced um, world class wrong. Yeah. You said pretty yeah, decent. No, was, you came 11th, man. Yeah, yeah it, was, <laughs> it, was a good, it, it was a good day, but it was all sort of, it didn't really feel like one of those runs that went particularly well. You know, like I've had other races where I've felt have gone way better than that and I haven't had the, I guess, kind of result on paper, but... Yeah, it was just like it was definitely a good result, and I was super psyched with it, especially after having the surgery. And I was, I was to be completely honest, after the way UTMB had gone for me in 2014, I was just going to be stoked to finish UTMB again and just hopefully knock a wee bit of time off the time that I'd run in 2014. So to take off, I think nearly six hours, come 11th was, you know, was fantastic. It's, yeah, that's, that's quite, quite some chunk GB, of time. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's kind of a reflection of having a, a good race last year, but also 2014 was absolutely horrendous, so it wasn't going to take too much to take off a, a big chunk of time. Yeah. What was the surgery for? Can you talk us through that? Yeah, so I basically had a um, posterior impingement in my ankle, and so I, long story short, I basically had this like extra piece of bone in the back of my ankle that had been there my whole life and basically not been an issue, but then... Um, during a training run in the Blue Mountains, I basically slipped and kind of jarred my heel on the ground and just dislodged this bit of bone. And so I sort of was able to manage it with a bit of physio and stuff, kind of yeah, working things to free up a bit of space with a bit of bone. But then it basically just got to a point where it was sort of yeah, so far jammed up in a place where it wasn't supposed to be that um, yeah, basically surgery to remove that little piece of bone was, was the only way that I was kind of going to get past it. And did that take much in terms of rehab? No, it was funny. So I think the surgeon said that the actual surgery was only about 12 minutes long or something. So it was just, yeah, super basically minor surgery. They just, you know, did a little incision and took the piece of bone out. And, just um, getting the back the, and cleaner. 
Yeah, basically just suck it out. So as far as the ankle joint goes, there's it, like the surgeon said, it was a pristine ankle joint. It just had this extra piece of bone that apparently 10% of the population have. Um, and then I think of that 10% of people, only a, another kind of small percentage actually have a, a problem with the piece of bone. So I guess it was kind of kind of unlucky, but um, yeah, it was fortunate that it was just yeah really straightforward surgery, and it was just a case of um, you yeah, getting the bone out and then just letting letting the ankle and the um, the incision kind of heal. So as you, as you said, in, in in spite of that, you had a um, a, a good year last year, as opposed to you know this year just you couldn't yeah. couldn't catch a break, could you? No, it's been a shocker. It's it kind of felt like last year once I got the ankle sorted, I've been pretty in tune with my body, and um and I think that was kind of reflected in the the run that I had at Cape Town at the end of the year, which yeah wasn't a phenomenal run as far as it felt, but it was I was pretty happy to take third place behind a couple of speedy South African guys that have done really well at Comrades and Ryan Sands, who obviously as far as trail and ultra yeah, running no goes, he's, mm. he's a bit of a beast. So I was I was pretty psyched to take um, third behind those guys and. Leading into this year, you know, I was thinking far out, you know, and I talked to my wife Liz and, you know, family and stuff, and I was like, you know, so excited for this year because I felt like I'd finally had a few sort of things start to, you know, fall into place and um, felt like, you know, this year was going to be the kind of first year I've really felt like I'm going to be able to, yeah, hopefully have some performances I'm proud of. And yeah, it's just been, yeah, one of those years with, yeah, basically a sort of hamstring and lower back niggle that, again it's not a kind of chronic kind of injury that I'd had before and it's popped back up again it was kind of totally random and then yeah just these um pain in the backside uh kind of stomach issues that I've had um for the last I guess year probably three races I think so and is that what because I mean we were really excited to follow you we were all like you didn't know following you on Iron Far going in and, and you, I mean you got up to not to label fifth. the point you got up to fifth hey and and like 20 yeah. kilometers out or 20 yeah i think it was about probably yeah 25 30k out and again it was sort of i mean to be honest i had been battling and i guess when i say stomach issues i guess it's not kind of typical stomach issues that people have where they just you know have a bit of nausea and feel like vomiting and stuff um like it was it was a bit weird like i found out now from seeing a sports doctor just out of barcelona that basically through having too much fluid inside my stomach um it was causing like basically my stomach to basically bounce, which was then pulling on my esophagus. Right. Um, and then caused the esophagus to twist a bit, which was quite causing a lot of the pain and the dry reaching. But yeah, because I wasn't actually needing to be sick as such, nothing was coming up. It was just causing this pain um, just below my, my sort of chest sternum area. Well, it's going to pull um, your sphincters, isn't it? Like your, your, yeah, your esophageal sphincters. Was- yeah, exactly. That's it. And so it was just, it was just so frustrating because basically going uphill, I could, I was climbing just awesome, you know, things were just feeling so good and I was, you know, passing guys and then, um, yeah, sort of felt pretty rubbish on the big descent down into Champagne at about 125k um, and then, yeah, the wife gave me a kick up the backside and told me to stop complaining so I sort of got my A into G a wee bit and, um, and then basically, yeah, climbed out of um, Champagne and then, yeah, climbed my way up into fifth place and, it was actually funny, um, no word of a lie, as I was traversing across to the start of the descent, I was running along and this, this guy goes, oh, he goes, is that a New Zealand flag? And I said, yeah, yeah, bloody oath, mate. And he goes, oh, no way. He goes, oh, we're from Wellington. And <laughs> it, was just this, like, it was just this random Kiwi family that were hiking the Tour de Mont Blanc route. And, yeah, they were just couldn't believe that, you know, a Kiwi was in fifth place. Um, and, and it was just crazy to go from that kind of, like, excitement and just feeling, like, far out, I'm going to, 
you know, run myself onto the podium here. Like yeah. I was feeling phenomenal considering how long into the race it was, um, you know, and then basically got to another downhill and just the bouncing, everything going down. And um, it was just basically, it was just crippling. Um, basically, mm-hmm. I could kind of just try and put it to one side, you know, block it out, try not to think about it, run through a bit of pain, run through a bit more pain, and then it just, you got to a point where I just basically had to stop running and basically just start walking downhill again. So, so it's basically um, a, me- a mechanical issue almost. Yeah, pretty much. And that's kind of, I guess, what is the, on one hand, it's just crazy frustrating how kind of, yeah, basically what was happening. And then on the other hand, it's kind of awesome to know that with a few kind of real minor changes, i.e. not drink so much fluid, I can, yeah, basically prevent some of this kind of bouncing kind of issues going on with my stomach. And I guess a big part of the, I guess, problem is, is, is sort of strange it is, is my, I've normally got a pretty cast iron stomach as far as what I can take. And so I was basically just taking gel after gel after gel and having, you know, amazing energy and everything else. But then because of all of the kind of fluid that I was taking to take the gels, that was just basically meaning I was, yeah, having too much fluid in the stomach and um, right. then you know, causing the bouncing and the stuff that was going on. So, um, wow. yeah. So, but, but like you say, I mean, to... to you know, I mean, I think you've you've said publicly about how you're sick of sort of trying to find the positives, but to sort of counter that, you you know, you did you did from a positive point of view, you managed to go deep into that race and move up into fifth. I mean, that's that must give you some confidence. Yeah, it, it definitely does. It's I guess it yeah because I think the thing was I mean it's it's a funny thing with social media sometimes. You know, like it's easy just to portray this whole like butterflies and rainbows kind of stuff that's going on and. And the reality is, is that even for, I think, you know, I think I can probably talk for all trail, ultra runners, whatever that, you know, for every, you know, amazing photo that you're posting on social media, you could post 10 photos that are shot, you know, that could reflect all the other stuff that's kind of going on. And I think I just wanted to, yeah, just, I don't know, just, you know, I'm just a typical Kiwi bloke just doing a bit of running and just sort of, I think it was kind of part of me just wanted people to be able to relate to that a bit more and not just see all these you know, beautiful mountain top photos and everything else. And, and, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes it does just suck, you know, like there's no, there's no real explaining, you know, why things are happening or why things keep happening to the same people, you know, why race after race just isn't, isn't kind of working. And, um, yeah, it's definitely one of those things that I guess as an athlete, you, and I keep trying to, you know, tell myself that I'm getting better and better at, you know, dealing with things when, you know, races don't quite go to plan, but, um, yeah, this year was just yeah one of those years where it just sort of felt like yeah race after race after race um, just couldn't catch a break. I felt like I was at times throughout the year, you know, training so so well and feeling super fit and strong, and then um, yeah, just not quite able to pull things together for a race, which was a bit frustrating. Mm. I mean, just stepping aside, stepping away from your own disappointment around UTMB. I mean, what an what an event to have been involved in, and particularly this year, it was just looked like carnage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's the it really was, and I mean, I think it's funny because you know, like you, you sort of look at this year's UTMB, and you know, like the, I have seen and heard a bit of stuff through social media saying, you know, like the the guys and the girls maybe who were inside the top ten this year at UTMB maybe wouldn't typically be inside the top ten or whatever it is, but I feel like you you, you can't say that about UTMB because like part of UTMB is the carnage, like absolutely, it's, yeah, it's it's like, I don't think you can say, like, oh, yeah, but the only reason that that guy got that place is because, you know, these guys all dropped out. It's like, there's a reason why all those guys dropped out. Well, that's know? racing. Like, that's that's yeah, competition. That's what I mean. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, like, and that's the kind of, I guess, the beauty and the sort of craziness and carnage of UTMB is that, yeah, you've got like literally the world's best standing on a start line. And then you've got a course that, although it's pretty brutal, like a lot of it is really, really runnable. And so you kind of just got this like, yeah, perfect storm kind of happening. And that's why, yeah, like this year, I think, I think I saw somewhere, something like the 26 of the top 35 ranked guys basically dropped out. Mm, um, yeah. which is just which is just insane and then you have races like uh, last year's race and there was basically nowhere near as much carnage as what there normally is so it's just sort of it shows you the I guess the dynamics of trail and ultra marathons um, at the elite level I guess and um, and just showing that yeah even though it's the same race no two races are ever the same sort of thing and was there there was no there was no particular reason was there I mean there were lots of sort of Really weird things that you know, like Kelly and Jornay's bee sting and things like that. Tim just Thompson kind of cut his leg. Yeah, just yeah. sort of random stuff. It wasn't like it was really tough conditions yeah. or anything, was it? No, nah, I mean it was definitely like it wasn't. It wasn't amazing conditions. Like sure. it was pretty, pretty, pretty nippy at the <laughs> at the you know passes and stuff through the night and that. Um, but in saying that, like it was just amazing weather compared to last year like last year was um it was it was freezing last year like we had snow up along um across grand Colferay and up at col de la seine and um yeah it was pretty epic to be honest whereas this year was kind of like at the same kind of moments of the race you're kind of like yeah okay it's cold but it's definitely not what it was like last year um but yeah like i was saying i think just with utmb like i think it's probably one of the biggest races where you get so many guys and girls going into that race feeling like they've got a shot and whether that's a a shot for the win or a shot for the podium or pushing for top five or top 10 I think you know both the men's and the women's field it's so so stacked so you get guys and girls that are just there's you know arguably I suppose I don't know 40 or 50 runners that could get inside the top 10 and so there's just so many people just battling for positions inside the top 10 top five podium and then obviously you know, there's a, f- a few that, you know, are probably genuine contenders for the win. And so, yeah, it's just, it just, I mean, it's awesome because there's just so much carnage. Like, it's just, it's crazy. Like, and even as an athlete during the race, you're just sort of running along sometimes, just shaking your head, just thinking, what what on earth is going on? You know, like, what what what's, what are all these guys doing here sort of thing? So, it's, um, yeah, pretty crazy. What does go through your head when you're running, like, UTMB? I mean, sitting here, it, it's, and, I think this about stuff like hard rock as well. Like I can't sort of conceptualize the course because I've never run, I've never run the race, but what goes through your head? Like you said, like when you're up in those passes in the night, is it a sense of sort of, are you just fully focused on what's going on, you know, two feet in front of you or are you taking it all in or? Um, Yeah, I think, I mean, definitely for me, you know, through, through that first night, it's, it's pretty much just, looking looking after yourself the best you can because um, the race starts you know, in the afternoon doesn't it sorry to interrupt you yeah, the, ra- the race yeah, starts so in the afternoon it starts at about, i think it's it must be about five thirty, i think um in the afternoon so you kind of get about three and a half or three three and a half hours of running in daylight um before you start basically you're getting into the night and um into the kind of first i guess crux part of the race um going through the night and going up and over a, a couple of decent kind of climbs and so yeah for me it's kind of just taking a little bit of extra time earlier on prepping yourself for the I guess the long cold night and so yeah it's just um you're obviously just trying to stay obviously focused and you know in the kind of current moment and just making sure you're paying attention to what you're doing because yeah although 
you know, UTMB is definitely not the most technical race going around. There are still a couple of kind of technical sections where you are needing to obviously pay attention and add into that, you know, nighttime running by a head torch. You know, it's easy for stuff to kind of go wrong if you aren't staying focused. So, um, yeah, those are probably a couple of main things I guess I'm trying to, you know, focus on through the night. Wow. And, I mean, with that as well, is it, is it, is it, does it ever feel overwhelming in terms of the atmosphere? Like you say, like it's the biggest race in the world and, you know, there's – Oh, not the biggest race in the world, but like it's such an atmosphere. There's thousands of people. You know, you look at the start, everyone's throwing elbows and running probably like sub four minute Ks for the first couple of, you know, and then it's just madness. Is, yeah. it, is, it, is it hard to kind of stay contained? Um, do, uh, not, uh, yeah, not, not so much now that I've sort of been there a couple of times and also having, I guess, done a few of the kind of big races. Um, you know, throughout Europe and around the world. It, I mean, definitely like the the first time doing UTMB was just like, holy heck, what is going on? You know, and you like like you just said, you know, you're running along out of town, running towards Lazouche, which is like basically a undulating kind of like 10k to start, and you're looking down and seeing like three three minutes something kilometer pace, and you're just thinking like, did you guys not get the memo that there's like 165k <laughs> to go? You know, like knocking out you know 5k in around 20 minutes or something, and it's just like far out what's happening but I think that's just the it's the nature of the sport now you know like I mean the the times that were thrown down last year for UTMB are just scary to to kind of think that you know guys and girls are running yeah those kind of times through big mountainous areas you know like it's just um it's just crazy but it's yeah it's definitely like it's a it's just such an amazing event the the atmosphere the ambience is um yeah it's kind of one of those races I sort of said to myself um before this year's race that um this was going to be kind of the last UTMB for a wee while and I'd try something different but after the way this one went and just wanting to kind of oh it's just it's almost like a bit of a fix almost you know like it's just such a buzz and such an atmosphere that I guess as an athlete you know you're just wanting to be part of that again yeah and I guess you know there must be a bit of unfinished business for you yeah there is and it's it's kind of a I guess, and that's the funny thing, you know, trying to, I guess, yeah, like I sort of said, you know, trying to pull out the positives from the races. Uh, I think just with, yeah, how this year had gone and how kind of broken and unstructured the year became because of a few sort of little niggles and because of the stomach. Yeah, I basically went into UTMB this year off the back of basically four weeks of what I'd call quality training. And to sort of, I guess, run how I did run, considering the stomach issues, off the training that I did do it definitely yeah it definitely stokes the fire a bit for next year um and not not just for the UTMB definitely for other races that are in the pipeline as well but although the race went you know didn't didn't go to plan I've definitely you know gained a lot of you know sort of confidence out of that knowing that you know I feel like I can compete with some of the top guys in the world and um you know and that and that kind of excites me because that's a massive part of the reason why I run and race um well, race in particular is just because I just thrive off the competition. I love, you know, bashing heads with the fastest guys in the world and just seeing, you know, seeing what your body's capable of sort of thing. So it's, um, yeah, it's pretty cool to be in races that kind of give you that opportunity. What's next for you? I mean, not to, it's kind of a trite question. Obviously, you're going to take some time out to kind of regather and, you know, you know, put put this year to bed. But what have you got coming up? Um, yeah, so I'm actually um, heading to China next week. Um, oh, fantastic! Yeah, so I've got it. Um, there's a hundred k race over there called the Ultra Tour Mount Sugunyang. Um yeah. And so yeah, it's a kind of a 
I mean, it's an end-of-season race, I guess. Um, and, yeah, it was sort of um, had been in the pipeline for a while, and um, it's a quite a unique race. The race starts at 3,800 metres. Far out. So it's crazy, crazy altitude. Um, and, yeah, the race, the, the low point for the race is 3,200 metres, I think. Um, and then I think it goes up to about four and a half or 4,700 metres um, over the, you know, at, at various points um, along the route. So, Yes, that's kind of the next kind of race, I guess. But in saying that, it's not a you know it's not a big focus race for the year, being you know so late in the season, um, and also just purely just because of the type of race it is, it's just going to be. A bit, I think it's going to be a bit more of an adventure than a you know out and out race to you know see how fast you can run. It seems like, um, and we've spoken to quite a few athletes recently who said that you know the, the sort of the the pan Asian experience of ultra and trail running is just going off at the moment. And it seems like there's such a lot of excitement and, you know, definitely participation. And I guess with that comes sponsor money and interest from corporations, but it seems like a really exciting place to be. Hey. Yeah. China's just, it's just next level. It really is. I went to China a couple of years ago, um, to, just to help with a bit of promotion stuff um, for the the sky running, um, the couple of races they have over there just before they were getting launched, and yeah, I was just blown away by how well, firstly, how big these mountains are. They are just absolutely massive, you know. Like the the mountain near the race that I'm doing in a couple of weeks' time, uh, Mount Suguniang, is I think like six and a half thousand meters high. Wow! Um, so it's pretty pretty legit kind of you know size of mountains, and um, if you think that's you know, with a region that has peaks, you know, that kind of size, there's obviously a lot of other small, smaller peaks and smaller mountains that are going to flow off that. So, yeah, just some amazing, you know, rugged, remote, wild, wild kind of areas. And, yeah, I think just the whole kind of Chinese kind of race, I guess, environment, it just sort of, I guess, for athletes, it just offers maybe, you know, people not sort of based in the kind of, I guess, Chinese sort of Asian region it just sort of offers you something that you you just don't get at other races if that makes sense absolutely and that yeah as Matt said people have been talking telling us about the excitement that there is and sort of real buzz around races is that what you found in a a hearing as well oh I think you know like I mean it's like anything like if you can sort of you know grow something or tap into a market with you know, so many people you know obviously China's you know not, not short of people so it's just it's it's just growing and growing and at such rapid rates, you know, like a lot of pe- people that I coach in Hong Kong, it's just crazy because there are literally just like three or four races on just about every weekend through the kind of like race season. And the, you know, Hong Kong trail running has been going crazy berserk for the last wee while now. And that's definitely starting to flow into mainland China a wee bit. And so it's going to be yeah amazing just to see the growth and the development of the races in mainland China. And yeah, it's just going to be awesome just to, I guess globally, just see more and more people start to explore, you know, different different corners of the globe that you maybe necessarily wouldn't have gone to if it wasn't for trail or if it wasn't for ultra running sort of thing. So, so speaking about the the coaching, how how is how are you finding that? How's that going? Yeah, it's it's fantastic. It, it's definitely. I, I mean, I couldn't be doing a, a better. I mean, I don't even want to call it a job because it doesn't feel like a job. It's just. Yeah, it's just amazing to be able to, I guess, you know, part wisdom and expertise and knowledge, um, you know, onto clients and just sort of being being a part of other people's journeys is, um, yeah, just something that I just get such a massive buzz out of. And I, I think regardless of, you know, how my own running goes, you know, over the next few years or whatever, I'd, I definitely wouldn't want to, you know, drop the coaching completely. It's just, 
you're such a buzz and I just think it just it, it gives me a lot of balance as well as an athlete I think as well the amount of times you know I'm out there training myself and uh you know I think back to stuff that I've told you know John or Mary or Elizabeth or whatever it might be about you know focusing on form or you know not going crazy on a recovery run or whatever it might be it's sort of yeah all sort of stuff that I can sort of reflect back on and um mm. you know sort of think about as well so it's definitely yeah it gives me um yeah just sort of other things to kind of focus on and also the the coaching um is fantastic when I'm not running particularly well myself you know it's sort of I can live vicariously through through my athletes and stuff that they're doing which is pretty cool how did you get into coaching what started you on the journey yeah, so I've um, I was coached by Andy Dubois, an Australian guy. I've um, worked with Mile Twenty Seven. Um, coached with by Andy for quite a few years, and sort of I guess through that sort of process of being coached by him for a few years, I was basically just yeah, always yeah researching articles and reading articles, and Andy would be sending me stuff to kind of read up on and everything else. And then we sort of just yeah started talking a bit about coaching and stuff, and um, and it just sort of went from you know taking on one or two kind of mates or family members as as um as athletes and um and then yeah I guess once um once I did sort of start coaching as such um it just sort of took off and then yeah it was it's basically just you know having the ability now to sort of balance you know a bit of coaching um with my own running and what I'm doing as an athlete it's just yeah a perfect sort of mix with what we're doing at the moment and traveling as well it just sort of it all just yeah ties in perfectly really. We talked to Fiona Havis, who was, um, you know, raving about being coached by you and and how much she was enjoying that. But so obviously you're teaching, uh, sorry, coaching people at the the front of the field. But are you are you coaching, you know, sort of all comers or you know you? Yeah, yeah, abs- absolutely. Like it's um, and that's I think one of the, I guess that's one of the biggest buzzes I get as a coach as well is um because and and no disrespect to Fee, but if I had to coach everyone like Fee, it'd kind of probably get a little bit boring and stale as a coach because it'd be essentially doing it, even though every program I do is, you know, specialised for the individual, it's kind of generically doing similar kind of stuff, whereas obviously, you know, a training plan that an elite athlete's going to get is going to be a lot different to Hmm. someone who's, you know, maybe trying to finish their first Kepler or trying to finish their first Ultra Trail Australia or Hong Kong 100. And yes, I've literally got athletes from, you know, one end of the scale who are just literally running to make cut off to cut off just to finish an event for the first time um and then yeah you've you know got people like fee who are you know, which is just been you know selected to represent new zealand at the 24 hour um champs as well so it's um yeah it's awesome to be able to have that i guess variety of athletes to, mm. to coach and to work with and um yeah it's definitely i get yeah just the same you know kind of buzz from yeah coaching you know any kind of athlete regardless of yeah what level they're at or what race they're doing it's um it's all just yeah really kind of awesome and exciting stuff and i see that you've got a uh an event coming up in christchurch where you a, a bit of a clinic yeah yeah it's um it's, and that's another kind of cool thing about being back here for a little bit longer this time is yeah, just sort of being able to be here and do some stuff like that. And we're actually um, in the planning in the pipeline as well at the moment, um, doing a similar type of thing in Wellington and in Auckland as well, just after so yeah, sort of a few comments and messages and feedback and stuff from people. They'd be sort of keen on something in a couple of other places throughout New Zealand. So, yeah, and it's also a good chance to remind everyone that I am a Kiwi as well because we don't spend too much time <laughs> um, back home. And, um, yeah, it's just sort of one of those things, you know, like my, I guess my trail running and, I guess, endurance kind of sport you know started in Christchurch in New Zealand so it's a yeah it's definitely a, a cool sort of thing for me to be able to I guess give back to the kind of trail running and ultra running community a little bit and um yeah I find with the the clinics and stuff I, I try and keep them quite small as well 
you know, we've, we've just got basically 10 spots for the one in Christchurch just to like to have a real kind of hands-on kind of kind of session with people and that way you can, yeah, you know, devote a bit more sort of one-on-one time and people can get a lot more out of the session, which is really cool. And, and it's incredible, like looking at, you know, again, looking at your Instagram and you're with your, you know, your Vibram trail team mates at the start. I don't know what the race is, but it looks very, very flash. You know, you're all in your kit and you it's a great photo. You're all linked arms. It's night. You've all got your headlamps on. And then, you know, you've got your, your trail running clinic and we're going to have a 45-minute Q&A at the sign of the Kiwi. I'm guessing that's a pub or a cafe. Yeah, yeah. So Sonic Kiwi is like a cafe. It actually um, got pretty trashed in the earthquakes um, oh. a few years ago, but it's yeah, back up and running. So yeah, it's just sort of, and I think like as a coach, like the the online program is absolutely fantastic, and they, you know, enable an athlete to you know follow a plan. They don't have to think about what they're doing. They can just know that that if they you know follow and trust the plan, they'll you know kind of get what they're needing. Um, as far as the, like a training perspective goes, but as far as kind of like hands on skills and stuff, there's only you know, so much you can type mm. into an email and into That's a right. into a training plan. So yeah, I found we actually we just had a training camp um when we were over in Andorra um as well where we had yeah people from Australia, France and the US um come for the for the training camp there and just the amount of kind of learning and I guess kind of um development that they had over the five days was just absolutely incredible just from, you know, visually whether it was seeing me doing something or they saw someone else do something and then all of the kind of you know the the learning and the education that's going on outside of the you know the selfies and the mountain peaks it's all just kind of yeah part of that kind of experience with a camp or a trail clinic so it's um yeah it's really cool for people i just feel like people just get so much out of a yeah a 75 minute session or a two-hour session or, or a you know five-day training camp it sounds like you know you 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 know you're learning yourself as well i mean that must be you know being on that circuit and being amongst you know, rubbing shoulders and, and, and chasing down and beating some of the world's best and so on. You know, you've got so much to learn yourself or absorb yourself and pick up yeah, as you yeah, go. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, you know, like as a as an athlete and as a coach, there's the, the learning never stops, you know, like and that's that's one thing that Andy Andy from Dubai Mile 27 is always sort of commenting on when we're having conversations and stuff is that, you know, there's – it you know the the idea of you know training and coaching and everything else it's it's constantly evolving you know like what people may be doing 20 or 30 years ago isn't necessarily going to be as applicable to how you know people are training and to do with people's lifestyles nowadays and um you know obviously research is constantly changing regarding you know different techniques or different types of nutrition or this or that so yeah it's quite an, i mean it's an exciting sport to be in and i think just because there are so many kind of dynamics and variables within races within training um it just keeps things super super interesting as an athlete and as a coach um so it's just a yeah really really cool sport to be a part of how on that i mean in terms of sort of research you know that kind of constantly changing thing you're on the vibram team hey yeah yep how does how does that work because i noticed like on your thing you're running in a different variety of shoes is it the soles are they resoled or yeah, so it's the soul. So basically, I mean, as you would know, like a lot of the, you know, trail, whether they're trail running shoes or I can actually say tramping boots, um, you know, tramping boots, um, hiking yeah. shoes, all that, all that kind of stuff. Like a lot of the, and and sponsorships aside, a lot of the the best soles on shoes going around are, are Vibram Vibram soles. You know, so whether that's on a hiking boot or a trail running shoe, and so with the trail running team Vibram, basically the athletes depending on obviously 
or you know contracts and how things are panned out. But basically, the athletes are free to choose what shoes that they want to run in. And so, yeah, as long as I've got a Vibram sole, then yeah, then you know the Vibram trail team are happy with that. And yeah, it's a yeah really kind of cool and interesting team to be a part of. It sort of means that you can kind of almost pick the you know perfect shoe for the mm-hmm. race. Um, and then always obviously having the Vibram grip, um, which is you know a massive part of you know trail running and also just you know just being safe safe on the trails as well you know when you've I mean everyone knows that feeling when you run in a pair of shoes that don't have great grip as opposed to running in shoes that have got you know really good grip on them yes uh, so yeah it's definitely a, yeah for me this is the first year this year being with Vibram and um yeah it's just been absolutely fantastic I've loved being part of the team and and like you're saying with the photo at the start of the Madeira Island Ultra like it, it really is just a awesome awesome family to sort of be a part of and yeah it's a really cool bunch of people and they've supported you through, you know, you've had these challenges over the year, the team's been supportive and... Yeah, just, um, and that's, you know, such a, I guess, I mean, knowing after having been with a different sponsor for five or six years prior, um, so I was pretty nervous joining a new team, just sort of, you know, not knowing, you know, exactly how things are kind of going to pan out and um, yet I've been just incredibly supportive and, um, you know, I mean, they've shown a lot of support and a lot of belief in, you know, sort of what I've done and I guess the... I guess the good thing is, is up until, you know, things didn't go so well in my races this year, I was, you know, at the pointy end of basically every race that I was in. So, you know, the ability is definitely there. It's just a case of just, yeah, hopefully a few more stars aligning so I can, um, you know, get across that finish line and in a position that, you know, I'm, I'm happy of and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I guess joining a new team is like being the new kid in class, isn't it? I suppose you're a little bit nervous, you're going to fit in. And, yeah, you know, and, yeah. Yeah, and I think, Part of part of this year early on was definitely, um, I guess that's possibly part of the reason why I was quite hard on myself with the first couple of races that didn't go to plan. Um, mm. It was sort of it felt like a really cool opportunity, you know, f- feeling fit, feeling strong, feeling incredibly motivated, wanting to kind of you know represent a team and also a, a, a group of people that I was really proud to be a part of, and um, you know, wanting to sort of have a good result that could, you know, the team could share. And when it didn't happen, it was sort of yeah, quite frustrating and and everything else that goes with that but um yeah obviously you know as athletes it's not you know results aren't defining who you actually are as a person it's you know it's just a part of part of racing basically great stuff hey um scotty we've taken up enough of your time you know taking you away from your family and that and we appreciate it but we've sort of got one question that we spring on everyone at the end of every interview and it's it's going to be asking you about about your greatest run ever and it's it's not necessarily a, a race that you've, you know, you've you've smashed or you've won. It could just be something that, you know, may, f- for one reason or another, w- was a run that you really enjoyed, or you know, everything just clicked, or you know, for some reason, it just meant something to you. So, Scotty Hawker, what is your greatest run ever? Greatest run ever. Jeez, there's been a couple. I'll tell you, oh, greatest run ever. It would probably, oh, and to be honest, I couldn't even pinpoint it to one. But basically, there's been probably a handful of runs that I've done in Andorra um, over the last couple of years. There's a classic loop where you tag um, Picta Metacordoba and Picta Comapurosa, which is basically Picta Metacordoba is a 2,900-meter peak in the middle of uh, Catalonia, France, and Andorra. Um, so you're like you're literally standing on a peak in the middle of three countries. Wow. Uh, and then uh, Picta Comapurosa is the, the highest peak in Andorra. So you can do this, this loop, which I've done – probably about four or five times um, and actually that was one of the routes that I, I took my clients on um, for the training camp in Andorra yeah it's just 
yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm smiling here and getting goosebumps just talking about it. It's just um, one of those one of those runs. It's just um, I've done it in the most horrendous weather with you know sideways rain and snow, and then I've done it with you know beautiful blue skies and everything. So yeah, that probably yeah definitely have to rate up there as one of the best. It's just a yeah awesome awesome loop. Brilliant. Do you have to take your passport traveling through all those countries? Oh, I don't know if the old border control are going to be out and about, but uh, I'd be pretty confident to get in the way if I had to. So, <laughs> I'd back you. Hey, look, Scotty, thanks so much for talking to us, man. I mean, I for one, I'm sure Eugene shares the sentiment. I'm really excited uh, and I'm hopeful for next year that you know that you you keep building on your amazing results and and you know you, you are you're a, you're a hometown boy and you're smashing it on the world scene. I mean, I think it it sort of speaks to every elite runner that we've spoken to has been unwaveringly modest and unwaveringly uh, self-effacing and, and sort of self-deprecating and you're certainly an, uh, a prime example of that so look it's, it's been wonderful talking to you and yeah we're, we're stoked to, for you to go smash it next year in Europe and, and in China as well have so much fun man and welcome home yeah awesome thank you so much it was great to chat to you guys There we go. Cool, eh? I loved that conversation. It was so solid to have a chat with him and just go real deep. And um, yeah, I'm stoked that he's here and I hope, well, hopefully we can catch up with him when he comes up to Auckland. Yeah. We nearly had him on. We did ask him if he wanted to come to our live podcast, uh, which is happening 24th of November at the Thompson's Whiskey Distillery at Halitau. Did you just announce it? I did. I just cat out of the bag for anyone who's listening to the end of the show. I was just going to have a little giggle about Scotty who talked about how he's coming back to Christchurch to relax and chill out and have have a summer at home. And then we said, what are you up to? What's what's coming up? I thought, you know, races next year. He was off to China. Yes. Like... like, That's the what the definition of relaxing when you're an elite athlete. That's right. That level. But anyway, get an hour. I hope that goes well. Um, yeah. So yeah, we've got a live show coming up. Yep. Twenty fourth November from four p.m. at Thompson's Whiskey Distillery at Hallatau Brewery in Riverhead. So stay tuned for more details around. So we're going to have a couple of guests. Yep. Um, and a bit of couple of drinks. Audience interaction. Yep. And we'll record it and put it on the podcast. It'll be a final time. Yeah. And we've got another live show lined up that we're going to do at Kepler. November 30th. Mm, Tiano at the... I think we're still finalising details on exactly what time and all that sort of stuff. Okay. But it'll be at the Rego Hall, won't it? Yeah. 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 So um, keep your ears (coughs) out for more details about that. Indeed. Yeah. Look, that was it. In the bag, number 15. We are springing forth into young adulthood in this podcast and we'd like to thank scotty hawker we'd like to thank uh the keen minds at ultra running uh we'd like to thank the young governor kieran our editor our og uh, our og editor kieran who'll be cringing at this your dad knows what og is now kieran um old gentleman old gentleman that's right Oh, oh, geezer. Oh, geezer. Hey, um, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, yep. all the other podcast platforms. Yep. You like, rate, and subscribe. Mm-hmm. And there's been some really good little uh, comments. There. Yep. Thank you. Just keep all the interaction coming in. Keep the love coming in. We really enjoy this. Uh, any in- interaction stokes our stoke. So, And we're getting some good ideas for yep. other guests. So thank you. Absolutely. So we've got an amazing guest coming up next week as we well. Do. So, 
That's going to be. Gave, you're not going to give another clue because last week's clue was terrible. Oh, don't, don't do it. No, no. Well, can't. We need to think about that. They're a, a really good runner. There you go. There you go. And they're interesting. And they're really interesting. interesting conversation. Yep. Hey, catch you next week. Kakite. Thanks, Rigby. I mean, how is your? Uh, um, sorry, we'll edit out that gap. I've just had a bit of a fade.